Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. God has been doing here. You know, I woke up this morning anticipating what he's going to do in this place. Why don't we just raise our voices right now and give God praises for what he's doing.
different about Christianity than any other religion on the planet is this, that other religions believe you have to work, that you have to do something to make yourself right, to get to God. But as Christ followers, we believe that the work is done, that Jesus Christ paid it all on the cross. And because of that, we can have eternity, we can have relationship with God, and it is done. And all we have to do is receive it, accept it, believe it, bring it into our lives and say, it's done. So God, we thank you so much for everything you did on the cross, that you would pay the price that we each owed, that you would allow yourself to be sacrificed and your blood to be shed for our forgiveness of sins. God, that you would come Jesus, and you would make a way. And Jesus, we know and believe and declare that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way to gain access to the Father except through you. And we thank you that we don't have to strive and we don't have to run and we don't have to put all that pressure on ourselves because it's done. And you did it. And we are eternally grateful for that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hello, church family. Our God is so good. I'm so grateful for him, and I know you are too. Just take a moment, greet the people near you, and then have a seat. If you're watching us online, we'd love to spend a very special welcome to you. We're so excited to have you live streaming with us. If you want, go ahead and write in the chat where you're watching from. Um, or you can also hit that prayer request button and just let us know what you might need prayer for. And we'd be happy to pray over you, your family, your situation. But we're glad that you're streaming. Well, it is always exciting to be here, and if you consider yourself a guest or a visitor at Fellowship Church, we're super pumped about you, and we'd love to offer you the opportunity to let us know that you're visiting. And the way that you do that is you just text the word fellowship to the number 94,000. So text fellowship to 94,000, and it'll take you through a series of easy prompts and ask you a few questions and answer. You can answer those, and it'll put you in touch with one of our pastors, and you'll get a guest reception invite in the future when you're ready to make that jump, but we're just glad you're here. You can also old school let us know that you're here by stopping at the information counter and just say, hey, I'm here. You can meet someone in person and you can get a gift card to go to the church bookstore and get a specialty drink for you and everyone in your visiting party, but we're just glad that you're with us. If um, throughout your time here at Fellowship, if you ever get to a place in your faith where you're like, eh, I don't feel like I'm growing as much as I should. I feel stalled out spiritually, like I'm just kind of stuck. And if that's where you're at, we'd love to invite you to visit our Next Steps pergola in the lobby. And it's just, there's a big banner by it, it says Next Steps. And you just say, hey, I'm kind of stuck in my faith. They'll ask you a few questions and give you the chance to tell your own story. And then they'll listen to maybe the symptoms that you're describing, what you have going on in your life. And they'll say, here's my prescription. You should take the spiritual warfare class. Or have you tried Rooted? Or can I recommend that you take your next step and begin serving? So they'll kind of apply something to you and you'll have the chance to go, oh, that is the very thing that I need. So we hope you'll take advantage of that. If you don't need it today, great. But maybe at some point in the future, you'll recognize, wait, I'm kind of stalled out. And that's where you go and they'll help you out. 
Now, whenever you come to the church, there's all different kinds of ways to give. The easiest is to set up giving on your church center app. Um, that takes about one minute to do. And once you're done setting it up the first time, it takes about, oh, 10 seconds to access your giving opportunities that way. You can also, there's a whole bunch of options on the screen. You can drop an offering in the lobby. You can mail it. You can do whatever you want. But we just hope that when you come, that you come with the thought of, like, what am I going to give to God? Because here's the cool thing about God, is he's the ultimate giver. The Bible tells us in Genesis 3, at the very beginning, that God gave us the literal breath in our lungs. In the beginnings of the New Testament, it talks about how God gave us his one and only son, so that we wouldn't perish, but we would have eternal life. So God is constantly giving, and we are never more like God than when we're giving. And so whenever we come to God's house, come prepared, put some thought into it and say, this is how I'm going to give to God this morning. Let's pray together. God, thanks that you gave first. You gave us breath, you gave us Jesus, and you gave us the good sense to work the jobs and the opportunities that you have. And we acknowledge you're the source of everything we have. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would find us to be faithful stewards of the things that you've given to us. We ask that you would cause the stuff that we have to just last longer and not break down or need to be replaced. And you would cause our resources to just stretch further than we knew they could. And God, we pray that you would also give us more. That you would heap more blessings into our life so that we can be stewards of the things that you've given to us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there is so much cool stuff happening around the church. Let's take a look at what's coming up. If you consider yourself a guest or visitor, a great next step is to come to one of our guest receptions. The guest reception is a free breakfast in between our services on a Sunday morning. It's a great opportunity to meet some staff, ask any questions, learn more about our church, take a tour, and learn about just ways to connect into a group or class. The next guest reception is one week from today. So if this interests you, please sign up on the Church Center app. Coming up on March 8th at 11.30 a.m. is the Women's Luncheon. This is an excellent opportunity to connect and network over good food and healthy conversation. The entire goal for this luncheon is to provide a place where ladies can come together, soak in an atmosphere where they can discuss life, faith, and how that translates to our everyday lives. This luncheon will dig into the big ideas in Joel Osteen's book, Your Greater is Coming. The cost of this luncheon is $20, and though there will not be childcare, these luncheons will be hosted once a month, so keep an eye out for the next one too. You can register for this on the Church Center app. Camp 4640 is officially open for registrations for any students that will be going into seventh grade next year all the way through seniors in high school. Now, Thursday, May 25th through Sunday, May 28th, the 4640 Student Center will take our students up to Camp Cedar Ridge for the weekend. The whole weekend will be full of impactful services, amazing worship, messages from our very own youth team, and a ton of fun. Every single year, we see the youth of our church grow in their faith in a way that can only be from God. Students will learn how to make their faith their own in real tangible ways through the weekends, just like this one. Now, activities will include high ropes, low ropes, large group games, ultimate frisbee, human foosball, whatever that is, campfires, and a weekend-long competition that ends with one of our youth pastors getting slimed. Now, the cost of this event is $240, and as always, there are a limited number of spots you can sign up on the Church Center app. Thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. Please enjoy today's message. Son of David, have mercy on me. 
My soul is broken and my eyes can't see. Can you hear me calling, calling out your name? Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. The wolves are coming, and I can hardly breathe. My heart is heavy, can't get no sleep. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. That's not even fair. How am I supposed to follow that, right? So good, guys. It's so awesome to be able to, yes. Give them a hand. Give, thank you, choir. Thank you, band. Thank you, praise team and programming team. It is so cool to come to a church where you can hear something on the radio on Air One, and then you can come to church and hear that song while it's still popular. And so it's so cool, uh, and we're so blessed with 
such awesome, awesome musicians and vocalists. So thank you guys so much. Well, I, I love that song and we chose that song for a reason because we're going to be talking a little bit about David today. Now, you know, if you know me at all, you know, I love to teach about David. I love teaching about the Kings. I, I just love that portion of history. Love David and Solomon, of course, talking about Saul, love all that. In fact, we have a couple of curriculums in the bookstore where we, we wrote specifically on that, but, but, but that really wouldn't really fit the series because those guys aren't unsung heroes. I mean, David is a hero. Solomon was a hero, but they didn't get where they were without some unsung heroes around them. Well, if you think about David's life, you think about uh, what he went through in his life, it's, it's pretty incredible. For most of his life, he was hunted by people that considered him a threat. He was one of the most attempted murdered people in history. And it all started with Goliath. You'll remember that story where this giant wanted to kill David and, and David had to go out and defend himself, defended basically the entire uh, army uh, of Israel. And as a result of his victory, the entire army won. And that, that was the first person. But then just soon after that, Saul, who was supposed to be like a father figure to David. He was supposed to be somebody that, that he could trust. He wanted to kill David because he was jealous of him because he thought for sure that David was going to steal his throne. And in fact, Scripture says in two chapters that David was uh, 12 times Saul tried to kill David. After that, king after king, ruler after ruler, even David's own son Absalom wanted David dead. Yet David lived to a ripe old age and died peacefully in his bed. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 10 says, Then David died and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. David had reigned over Israel for 40 years, seven of them in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. Solomon became king and sat on the throne of David, his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. Now, how is that possible? How is that possible that David could live a long life, a long healthy life, even though all of these things came against him. Well, there was an unsung hero that was behind the scenes making sure that David was safe. And this guy was a bad man. He was a bad man. Now, I don't know if you remember the first bad man kind of in, in this generation or, or in recent history. You remember he was sweet. He was pretty. He was a bad man. He was the guy who's like, keep the camera moving because I'm kind of fast. Remember him? <laughs> Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali, you would never want to fight that man. You would never want to get in the ring with him. He was bad. And after that, when I was growing up, there was a boxer named Mike Tyson. Ooh, you didn't want to meet him in a dark alley, right? And Mike Tyson was a little crazy on top of that. So he was bad and crazy. And then Evander Holyfield and a lot of just different people. And a lot of different people now in the UFC. It's like, they're just, they're bad. You don't want to mess with him. Well, David had some bad men around him too. Let's look back a few years when David was running for his life from Saul. So David gets anointed king. David does this incredible heroic deed against Goliath. And you would think that he would be a part of Saul's court and Saul's inner circle, but instead Saul sees him as a threat. He tries to kill him, like I said, over and over again. So David goes on the run. And David wants to hide out. So he goes out into uh, different group, groupings of caves and he starts living in these caves. And it's super interesting to note that, th that David didn't have anything. 
David didn't have any money. David didn't have any riches. David didn't have any places for people to stay. Yet people started coming around David. So that anointing, when he was anointed king, it, it turned into influence. And before you know it, he had like 400 people that had come to him. And, and these people were described in the Bible as people that were in trouble or who were in debt. So they're kind of misfits. They were kind of on the down and out themselves. And so they, they, they start going to David and they start following David and, and the 400 turns into a thousand. And before you know it, he has an army himself. Now, one group of these people were called the three. They are the most elite of the thousands that he led. You see, he got these guys that were on the run and, and they were street smart. They were people that had had rough lives. And so it was very easy for David to turn them into warriors. And he had three in particular, and they were really bad. And they had then, a spe uh, uh, they were known in the, in the region as just simply the three. But then he also had a special forces group of people, special forces group of 30 men that were kind of like Navy SEALs. They were elite also. But David got really creative when he named them. They were known as the 30 the 30. And if someone died in the 30, they were replaced. So this group of elite troops always held the number 30. And he lists them in 2 Samuel chapter 23. He says, these are the names of David's mightiest warriors. He starts listing them. And then he gets to verse 20. And he describes somebody very special. He says, there was also Benaiah, son of Jehoadai. Now he, of course, was a part of this group of 30. A valiant warrior from Kabzeel, he did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Now Moab was a country. Moab had its own army. Moab, Moab had its own bad men that, that led it. And these two men were so uh, uh, ferocious that they actually described them like lions. And he defeated them. Another time, according to scripture, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit on a snowy day, mind you, and killed it. Okay, who does that? Who does that? How many of you, you know, you, maybe you think you're pretty bad. Maybe you think you're pretty tough. But have you ever killed a lion? And I, you might say, well, yes, I did. I went to Africa and I killed a lion. Yeah, with a gun, okay? Maybe with a bow and arrow if you're a really good archer. But he killed this lion with a sword. Now, what kind of man sees a lion in a pit when it's snowing and says to himself, I think I'm gonna jump down there and I think I'm gonna kill that thing. Hey, Benaiah was a very special individual. And this, this is the kind of guy that you want on your side. He's a little crazy, he's a little crazy, but sometimes you need a little crazy. He's crazy brave, that's what, what Benaiah is. Verse 21, once, talks about him again, armed only with a club. He called an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Now this Egyptian, he wasn't just an average Egyptian. He was seven and a half feet tall. He's a big boy. And Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Now imagine this, Benaiah just had a club. This guy was bigger than Shaq, okay? And he had a spear. So his length of range, his, his reach was just unbelievable. And it wasn't enough for Benaiah just to kill him with a club. He decides, you know what? I'm gonna take his weapon from him and I'm gonna kill him with his own weapon. That's what he does. That's how bad Benaiah was. Verse 22, deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. So even though he wasn't in the three, 
He was as famous as the three. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. Now, this is a huge honor, but also a huge responsibility. Remember, David was the most attempted murdered man in history. So he had an unbelievably difficult job, but he did it well, and he was successful. And we know this because as volatile as David's life was, he lived a long life and he died peacefully of natural causes in his 70s. Which leads us to our first point. God will always choose you because of your potential, not your past. God will always choose you about what you can do, not not what you've done. And he's the expert of using people with not the best track records. Moses was a murderer with a speech impediment. Moses. Jacob was a deceiver. Joseph was a spoiled little brother that that was sold into slavery. Most of the judges in, in the book of Judges weren't the apparent choices to rule. David was a shepherd, the least of his brothers. Paul was a Christian killer before he wrote most of the New Testament. And Beniah was an outcast running from the law. Now know this, the devil will always want to remind you of your past, but God sees what you can do in the future. What does the devil keep reminding you of in your past? Every time you want to do something for him, every time you want to make a, make a move, may, may, maybe you want to do something positive in your life, what is it? What is the memory that the devil always tries to use against you? And he does that very strategically because he knows that if he can beat you down enough that you won't be effective for him. You, you won't be any kind of threat. When I went to Bible college, it was the late 80s, and, and uh, there was an artist that was really popular at the time, a Christian artist named Carmen. Do you remember Carmen? Okay, okay, there's a few of us, there's a few of us, a bunch of some more old people like me. So Carmen, Carmen was this artist, and he would tell stories in his songs. Like, he was really, really good at it. And one of the things that he says in one of his songs always stuck with me. He said this, when the devil reminds you of your past... Remind him of his future. Isn't that incredible? So when the devil starts to do that with you, you can just go, oh yeah, hey, hey, Satan, do you want to read the book of Revelations? We could go to the end and, and we can do that real quick if you want. See, he has no future, but we have a hope and a future. Now, this next part of the story is super interesting to me. At the end of David's life, on his deathbed, David goes full godfather, full godfather. And he's like, Solomon, 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 come here. I need you to take care of a few people for me. And so David starts telling Solomon I want you to deal with some people that were not good to me, that were not loyal to me, and that are not gonna be good to you. And I've promised him that I wouldn't touch him, but that doesn't mean that you can't. So he goes into all of these people that he feels are gonna be a threat to Solomon's kingdom. And one of them is Joab, his general, his own general. He is fearful of what he is going to do 
to Solomon. And Joab was one of those mighty men as well. So he was really bad too. But he's like, hey, look, you need to take care of some people. You need to be very careful. And then David approaches death. When that happens, people start making power plays for the throne. You've probably heard the statement before that death will bring out the worst in people. Maybe you've seen this in your own family. Maybe you've seen or lost a grandfather, a grandmother, maybe a mom or a dad. And all of a sudden, people start fighting over the will. All of a sudden, people start fighting over stuff, right? Well, in this situation, it starts to happen. But it's not just a fight for stuff. It's, it's a fight for position. And David had a lot of sons. But he had one son. His name is Adonijah. And he thinks that he should be the next king. So he starts to manipulate people with influence to be on his side. And we see this in 1 Kings chapter 1. And one of those people was Joab. One of David's generals. He was David's general who, who, who was the army. He was the general of the army. And, and, and hence David's warning here. Adonijah, Adonijah is smart he knows who to go after. And the most powerful person in Israel was Joab because he held the hearts of the troops. And if you're going to take a kingdom from somebody, you need an army. Now, David gets wind of this. And he goes to Benaiah with his very specific set of skills. And he tells him, I want you to go get Solomon. I want you to put him on my mule. And I want you to march him around the city with the prophet declaring him as king, David wanted to make sure it was very clear to everybody around who was going to be the next king. And you know who the prophet was that was reading the parade? That was Nathan, who we talked about last week. It was last week's unsung hero. So it was Nathan and Benaiah leading this procession, leading this, this, this parade. Now, it's interesting because while all this is going on, Adonijah was having a little inauguration party for himself. So he's like, hey, I'm going to be the next king. Let's have a party. And then he gets word of what's going on with Solomon and that Benaiah is leading the procession. And this makes him very afraid. Scripture describes what happens to his little party in verse 49 of chapter 1. Then all of Adonijah's guests jumped up in panic from the banquet table and quickly scattered. Of course they did. They didn't want to be a part of a coup. They didn't want to be a part of, of, uh, of an overthrown, uh, or trying, somebody trying to overthrow the king. Adonijah was afraid of Solomon. So he rushed to the sacred tent and grabbed onto the horns of the altar. Now, this was supposed to be a place of asylum. If, if a person was in trouble, if a person was, somebody was after them, or they, they were going to kill them, he would, they would run to this altar and they would hold onto the horns. And when they did that, they were supposed to be safe. It was like when we were kids and we used to play tag and, and you always had home base. And as long as you were holding on to home base, nobody, nobody could tag you. Well, it was just like that, but it with way, way greater stakes. So he's afraid for his life. He's holding on for his life. And then verse 51, word soon reached Solomon that Adonijah had seized the horns of the altar in fear. And then he was pleading, let King Solomon swear today that he will not kill me. So Solomon replied, if he proves himself loyal, just be loyal. Not a hair on his head will be touched. But if he makes trouble, he will die. Now Solomon in his early years has got a lot of softer heart maybe than David would have been. But he practices forgiveness, which is a good thing. Which also leads us to point two. When you are in God's will, 
No weapon formed against you will prosper. So Adonijah had a lot of people that were on his side, a lot of important people. And not only did he have important leaders on his side, he would have had an army on his side. He had a lot of things coming against him. But Solomon was in God's will. Solomon was doing what God wanted him to do. And as a result, it didn't matter what came against Solomon. No weapon formed against him was going to prosper. Solomon knows God appoints all leaders. Nobody can just declare that they're, they're going to be leader. Nobody can just say, well, I'm going to have a party for self, myself and I'm going to be king. Solomon understood God's anointing is on me. And when God calls us to do something, the enemy will always do his best to take us out. He will. But it doesn't mean a thing when God, when the God of the universe is on our side. My wife's favorite scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. Isaiah 54, 17 literally says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, not in the physical and not in the spiritual. Now back to our story. David dies and Adonijah decides, hey, this is my last chance. This is another shot for me to take the throne. So he concocts this plan. He decides he's gonna try to manipulate something. So he goes to the queen, who is Solomon's mom, mind you, and he asks her for something. He goes to her and he says, hey, look, Bathsheba, would you do something for me? Okay, will you go to the king and, man, I really have a thing for Abishag. Now, she must have been hot because her name is just not very appealing. But he's like, whew, I really want Abishag. Will you please go to Solomon? Will you see if he'll give her to me in marriage? And, and she says, oh, sure, I'll, I'll go talk to Solomon. But what she didn't understand or what she didn't realize was that Abishag was one of David's concubines. And if he married her, it would pave the way for Adinajab to take the throne. Now Solomon sees through this, so he acts. So his brother has already betrayed him once. He's given him another chance. He forgave him, which leads us to point three. We need to set up boundaries with people who have hurt us. It's okay to set up boundaries. Now it's... We're supposed to forgive. Solomon forgave, but that doesn't mean you're supposed to trust. Solomon forgave his brother, but he didn't trust him. He didn't trust him. And there's a lot of people in our life that we've had relationships before, with before, or maybe in a relationship with now, that have hurt us. They've betrayed us. They've, they, 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 they have scarred our souls, right? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. They have hurt us. And we need to forgive them. But don't trust them. Trust is earned. Adonijah could have, could have earned that trust back if he would have just spent time being good to Solomon, helping Solomon, serving Solomon. But yet the first chance he gets, he tries to take his throne again. Now we talk a lot in spiritual warfare and also our marriage series, the importance of forgiveness. But we also talk about the importance of setting up certain boundaries in our life. Because we will have a circle of friends, a circle of friends, maybe two or three that we confide in, 
that we trust, that we have those deep conversations with, that we know without a, bit, without a shadow of a doubt that they'll be there for us if we go through a hardship, right? They, we have those people. And if you don't, man, start praying for them because you need them. But then we have a lot of people that want to be on your inner circle. They want to be there. They want to be close to you. They want, to, they want your trust. They want, they want to be on the part of the, the most intimate parts of your life and in your decision-making. But guess what? They haven't earned it. They haven't earned it. Adonijah did not earn it. And because of a boundary that Solomon set up, Adonijah wasn't able to hurt him anymore. How many people do you have in your life that just continue to hurt you? God did not make you to be a floor mat. God did not make you to be abused. God did not make you to be a person that's just gonna take hits over and over again. He came that you might have life and have it to an abundance. He wants you to live a free life. He wants you to live an abundant life. And if somebody is beating you down, hurting you, and it doesn't matter if they're related to you, if they're related to you, that means they can do more damage to you. Set up boundaries. Now, boundaries aren't walls. Walls are different. Walls are something you want to avoid in your life. And we're gonna talk way more about this on April 3rd. So I want you to mark that on your calendar. And if you need help with setting boundaries with people in your life, make sure you come back on April 3rd because we're gonna be talking about how to make those healthy boundaries, how to set them and how to keep them. First Kings chapter two. Then King Solomon made a vow before the Lord. May God strike me and even kill me if Adonijah has not sealed his fate with his request the Lord has confirmed me and placed me on the throne of my father, David. He has established my dynasty as he promised. So as surely as the Lord lives, Adonijah will die this very day. So King Solomon ordered Benaiah with his special gifts to execute him. And Adonijah was put to death. But it wasn't over yet. Because if you'll remember, Joab was a part of that coup too. Joab was at that party. Joab wanted to see Solomon not take the throne. And Joab was a killer of leaders and kings himself. He was a tough guy too. He was a bad man too. And he finds out about what has happened to Adonijah and he gets scared. And guess what he does when he gets scared? He runs to the altar. Safe, I'm safe. I want to hold on to these things as long as I need to because I don't want him to hurt me. I don't want Solomon to kill me. So he runs to home base, hoping that he will be safe, hoping that Benaiah won't come after him. But in verse 34, we see, so Benaiah, son of Jehoadai, returned to the sacred tent and killed Joab. And he was buried at his home in the wilderness. Then the king appointed Benaiah to command the army in the place of Joab. So Benaiah faithful, Benaiah doing what he should do, Benaiah come, staying undercover and staying under authority, does everything the king asks, does it from a loyal standpoint, and he gets promoted. He goes out and he does his Jason Bourne thing and he takes out all the threats of the kingdom. Verse 45, but may I, King Solomon, receive the Lord's blessings and may one, uh, and may one of David's descendants always sit on the throne in the presence of the Lord. So the kingdom was now firmly in Solomon's grip. Now, why do you think that everybody wanted to kill David so badly? I know, he's a king. He had power. He had riches. But a lot of kings do. A lot of kings did during that day. But they were not attacked like David was. 
all those attempts were not done on their life. Sure, maybe, maybe a few here and there, but nothing like David. David spent his entire life dodging murder attempts, assassination attempts. Well, the reason is spiritual. It's not just his position, it's a spiritual thing because it had been prophesied that the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords, the Messiah would come from David's lineage. Benaiah wasn't just the guardian of the throne. He was guardian to the line of Christ. And Satan knew, Satan knew this, and he was trying to take Jesus out before Jesus could be born. Point four, when we serve God, our impact is greater than anything we could ever imagine. When we serve him, when we submit our lives to him, and when we reach out and we help others and we minister to others and we, we, we encourage others, we have no idea the impact that that has. You see, Benaiah thought he was just David's bodyguard and that's, that's a great honor. He had no idea that he was watching over humanity's only hope. We have no idea the impact we have on people's life when we stay submitted to God and follow his direction. You were made, we were made to influence people's lives for the better. We have no clue. Now, my wonderful wife, who was on staff here for like 15 years and then felt the call to go into education, which I believe that that is a call. She goes into the call of education. She, she goes back, she gets her teaching degree, she gets her master's in education. And uh, um, she's decided that she wants to make an impact for the Lord, but in the school systems. And so she's telling me this year, she got a few letters from a few students and she shared this one in particular. And I, I just thought it was so fitting for this message. This, this student, former student, graduated a few years ago, writes her and says, Merry Christmas, I hope all is going well. I pray that you and your family are in good spirits and health. Just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about what has been going on in my life and to thank you for everything that you have done to pour into my journey. You have been one of the most influential people in my life. You have taught me what it means to be a man, to work as a team, to always pursue relationships in my life first and foremost, and most of all, to put God first in my life. As you may know, soon after graduation, I went on a road that was not pleasing to God. God rescued me from that path that I was on and has been the best part of my, my journey so far in life. October of 2021, I left Grand Junction for the Army. I left for Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and basic training was fun and challenging. And through uh, the lessons that I was taught by you and the example that you set, set for me, you have helped me to learn how to be a leader and how to set an example for other people to follow, which helped me not only in basic training, but also in my whole military experience. He then goes on and he writes several paragraphs about uh, how what Rebecca taught him helped him through different things, helped him through uh, his schooling, helped him through SEER camp, helped him through, through all of these obstacles. And he gave very specific examples. And then he says, finally, I found an amazing church here in Alabama and have drawn so close to Jesus. He has helped me through the good, the bad and the ugly of flight school. He has become more and more real to me day by day. How may I pray for you? 
And once again, thank you for everything that you've done in my life. I would love to hear from you anytime. And thank you for teaching me to be a scholar, a leader, a man, and a Christian. May God bless you every day and may his peace, grace, love, and power fill you every day. I miss seeing you and learning from you. And then he quotes 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And then he signs his name sincerely. You know, we have, yes. We have no idea the impact that we have on people's lives. We have no idea the potential that we have to impact people's lives. And God has given us influence with people around us to affect for the better. That could be salvation. Maybe they don't know Jesus. Maybe it's encouragement. But most of the time, it's using what you've been through to help people to get through what they're going through. You didn't go through your hardships without a reason. And God wants to use those. He wants to use us as an instrument to change people's lives. And one day we'll be in heaven and, and hopefully there'll be a line of people in front of us that wanna come to us and say, thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for counseling me. Thank you for giving me some tools to help me in my situation. Thank you for just that little bit of encouragement. You don't know what it did for me because on that very day, I was thinking about killing myself. I, I, I just didn't know if I could make it. And you said some kind words to me that changed my whole day. That's how God wants to use you. But the devil wants to distract us with all kinds of stuff. I, you know, we're not careful. It's just all about, uh, I, I need to go to work. I need to make a living. I need to pay my bills. I need to raise my kids. And, and we lose sight of the, of the potential that we have to help others. So how I want to end this morning is I just want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think of someone that God has given you influence with. It may be a manager of a business on a truck route. Maybe you're a teacher and you have students that, that look up to you, they listen to you. Maybe you're in sales and, and you have some vendors that, that you have a really special relationship with and, and, and you know they listen to you. Maybe you're a first responder and you come into people's lives every day that needs your help. Lord, whatever it is, whatever you've called us to do, sharpen us to be an instrument to make a difference for you. I pray now, Lord, that you would give us an opportunity to witness, give us an opportunity to minister, give us an opportunity to encourage, give us the words that we need in those moments and soften the heart of a person that you've given us influence with. I pray God right now, Holy Spirit in this room, that you would loose your call in all of us. You've called us according to your purpose. You've called us to be a, a, a 
ministers that would fulfill the great commission, that we would see people saved, that we would see people baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that that would manifest in our lives. I pray, Lord God, that if we don't have influence right now with someone, that you would give us influence and you can trust us, Lord, with that. We won't squander that. I pray, Lord, in this room, Holy Spirit, that you would loose in us your boldness. Make us bold, make us brave, give us confidence. Lord, help us to do your work. Lord, we know that our time on this earth is short. Help us to make the most of the time that we have. Help us to never lose sight, never lose sight of what's really important. I pray, Lord, that we would be a part of your mighty men. That when you look at us, you would see warriors. When you look at us, you would see people that are loyal, that will go to war for you. And give us the strength in the moment to be able to do that. We love you, we love you. We thank you, God, for stories in the Bible like Beniah. And Lord, we thank you for the unsung hero in him would help us to be that too. Help us to be heroes for the faith, unsung heroes for the faith. Call us according to your purpose, Lord, and we'll, we'll be faithful. We'll listen. Thank you for trusting us with that, Lord. Thank you for trusting us with that. Guide us now. Be a lamp unto our feet. Show us the steps that we should take. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. May God be with you. Go out and make a difference in the world. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.